0: I'm your host, Lawrence Doan, and today we are joined by Dr. Sahil Soni. Dr. Sahil graduated from the University of Otago, uh, New Zealand in 2009 and has been working in private dental practice since then. He enjoys all aspects of dentistry with a special interest in cosmetic dentistry and root canal treatment. Sahil is very passionate about his work and is up to date with new techniques and technology to keep up with the improvements in dentistry. Sahil is extremely passionate about mentoring and teaching the new generation. Dr. Sahil Soni, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> so you have a special interest in cosmetic dentistry and endodontics, but that wasn't always the case. Tell us about your CBD um, or dental journey so far.
1: Um, well, I think my CPD journey, well, my dental journey is similar to what a lot of uh, people experience when i first graduated you know all i really wanted to do was make some money uh pay my student loan off um i felt like i had graduated with a lot of gaps in my knowledge a lot of you know stuff that i wasn't sure about um, so anyway i started um, working at this practice in new zealand where i was pretty much just taking teeth out mostly um and before I had graduated funnily enough I had never done a surgical extraction where I had dissection of tooth for example and not man, my first day on the job I had dissection of tooth and you know I got stuck and anyway so it was a lot of learning on the job as I went along um and you know I kind of did not enjoy dentistry for the first two years I would say because Uh, largely because you know I didn't know what I was doing really and I wasn't really good at what I was doing either so it was just a means to an end really I'd I'd spent five years studying it so you know it wasn't fulfilling
0: yeah so you know you mentioned you know extractions wasn't you weren't best at it at the time you know you had a few struggles as well Um, so how did you kind of tailor your CPD um, in that sense
1: well, at the time, my first two years, I did not do very many CPD courses. Uh, my plan was to um, save money. And I pretty much only went to the free CPD courses that the specialist would organize, you know, um, like an hour after work or something like that. So, uh, But what I did learn was from my first employer, my boss uh, in Auckland, Jackie Lamb. He owns uh, quite a few dental practices, uh, and I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, thank Jackie for teaching me how to take out teeth. Um, he taught me how to use a luxator, um, <laughs> which I, you know, is a very crucial thing to know how to how to use if you want to be proficient at taking teeth out. So um, once I learned that, it was just a matter of practice and. I think after three months of taking out teeth on a daily basis, I felt pretty confident, like I could take out most teeth. Um, and after about nine months of mostly doing extractions, I was sick of doing extractions. I was, I felt confident I could take, you know, any tooth out. Uh, and I was just, yeah, I was kind of bored of doing extractions. And I, it was at that time I moved to Australia. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's right. You moved to Australia and then you moved out to uh, Kempsey, wasn't it? And you were working out in a rural practice for a good solid uh, year or two. So, um, I mean, how was it then? Um, You know, were you taking, because you were taking a few more uh, extraction um, cases on uh, during that time.
1: Yeah, well, at that point, it was me and two other dentists working uh, together in the same practice. And um, they there was a chronic um, disease dental scheme uh, on at, the, at at that time, like the EPC scheme it was called, where uh, patients would come in with uh, a voucher for dental treatment, and we were allowed to do up until like $4,000 worth of dental treatment, including crowns, whatever they needed, up to the value of $4,200. So I found... that practice was predominantly seeing these patients. Um, So we ended up doing a lot of dental treatment. Um, A lot of it was needed, but I found the mentality, you know, at that practice was just try and make full use of that voucher. Um, So we made a lot of like, you know, partial dentures and stuff like that, which I think, weren't mainly needed, <laughs> um, you know, if they have a missing seven or something like that. I, th- I don't think, you know, every missing seven needs to be replaced. But, you know, at, at the time, we would just make a partial dungeon you know.
0: Sure. Yeah. So during this period, were you taking any CPD?
1: No, I was not <laughs> taking any CPD. I think um, it, it, after two years, the first major CPD I took was a, a three-day composite course with Jason Smithson. Yeah, um, and it was the first kind of you know big sum of money that I was spending. It was five thousand dollars for these three days, and um, it was simply because I was kind of uh, getting pretty sick of you know dentistry. I was like not happy with the work I was producing. And, um, you know, it was kind of, kind of upsetting me. Uh, so this so-
0: is the restorative side, you're saying you're like the restorative yeah. side of you're doing fillings, all of that anterior, posterior, but you weren't quite happy with what you were doing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's when I did this course and, um, I, you know, I, I spent a bit of time talking to Jason in the breaks and stuff and just how, like I saw his work and it inspired me. I was like, what do I need to do? To produce work like this, you know that's that's basically what I wanted to know, and and um, you know I realized this guy everything is done under under rubber dam, and that was one thing I was not using routinely. I would say only for root canals, um, you know that sort of thing. So it kind of started my journey of self improvement. I would say it was after that course, after seeing his work, and you know after talking to him, I was. I was motivated to uh, improve myself
0: right yeah so you felt more inspired at the time Um, and then that's what really compelled you to start your journey into learning more about aesthetic dentistry yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah so where to from there after you started doing this uh, the Smithson where'd you go to next
1: Um, I did a lot of courses after that I did (laughs) pretty much every course that I could you know i could do i would do because i was like i was learning so much every time um you know so i've done pretty much all composite courses (laughs) that are available i've done them didier dicci you know angelo putignano um tony rotondo everyone (laughs) yeah
0: and where where were you finding these courses i mean because i've talked to a fair few senior um dentists and they talk about how you know at the time it was really it wasn't as easy as it is today now you know people could go online they could find it very easy but back in the day it would be just maybe through the ada booklet or something like that i mean where did you find your information was it from someone recommending it to you
1: no it was mostly like you know the ada magazines would send you know pamphlets and course information or uh, you know some a friend who's going to a course, so they might say, hey, Sahil, do you wanna come along? And so it was it was that kind of thing. DPR was around, so um, like it had just kind of started at the time. So, you know, occasionally you might see a course on there, then, you know, I might attend that, yeah.
0: Right, so that's your aesthetic side of dentistry. You're doing a lot of, you know, these composite courses and you're building up um it along the way so along the way when did the wax up start to become incorporated
1: um i think just as part of understanding aesthetics um like initially i saw uh, tony uh, tony rotondo he he did a, a wax up that i saw online and i was like he had put anatomy on the palatal side of this lateral incisor. And I was just thinking to myself, like, this level of detail, who is going to notice this? Like, know what?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but at the same time, like, you know, Tony's a guy I really look up to. So uh, I thought to myself, you know, if Tony's done it, um, I need to kind of not question why he's done it. I need to think, why am I not doing it? Right. Um, so, you know, that kind of, made me want to get better at it so i i've done a couple of uh, wax up courses overseas in taiwan um and yeah it's just a great learning exercise i think um you know once you routinely do it it's it really helps you see the shapes of teeth uh Mm -hmm. better yeah
0: Or, or even like you've said before you know starting with the end in mind
1: yeah yeah I mean, that's why you do a wax up really is to (laughs) to have a plan where you're going. Otherwise, without a plan, you know, without a blueprint, it's it's really important as a tool to kind of show the patient what you're planning. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: Sometimes, you know, what the patient wants might be completely different to what you want or you think is aesthetic. Uh, Simplest example is, you know, some patients want uh very straight teeth with with flat edges and no embrasures um and you know that to me is a completely unnatural look and you would really have to force by hand to give a patient that so you know if a patient wanted that and you know after that they've seen my wax up they've seen the mock-up on their mouth and they say can we get rid of these embrasures You know, I would have to show them a lot of photos of, you know, famous people with nice smiles and explain to them, look, the reason their smile looks nice is because they have these natural, uh, you know, spaces. And if we got rid of it, it would just look fake. It would look old. And, you know, I would go out of my way to try and convince them uh, to keep them, but, if they still insisted, I guess you know we would have to change the wax up. We would have to change the plan and, and give the patient what, what they want. But it's a mm-hmm. good tool to kind of, you know, iron out these, these issues before they happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's something you teach on CERIC. You know, how has that changed your dentistry or preparation? How did you kind of get into that?
1: I actually don't remember how I got <laughs> into it. I guess um, I was just doing a lot of serics and. I was posting stuff on online and um, I think Murray, Murray Orr, he's in Gold Coast, he approached me one time and he said, hey, you know, can we do a course together and, and we did a course together. Um, I mean, I just I just really enjoy sharing my knowledge, sharing what I've learned. Um, I like to simplify things, you know, because I think a lot of the times it's easy to complicate things and they don't really need to be complicated um so yeah uh, you know CERIC was just another thing that we could we could teach so
0: mm, fair enough so everyone knows you for your aesthetic dentistry work you know which is phenomenal but you know what i want to talk a little bit more about is you know your interest in endodontics so <laughs> talk about that because you mentioned before you know you've had you've struggled with it um and then that was kind of something that you really wanted to hone in on you know tackle more of your weaknesses and then go from there so and now eventually it's turned up to be something of an interest for you
1: yeah i mean i am interested in in it but i wouldn't say uh like i know what i can do and what i can't do and i will uh sometimes you know it's a case where i think i can do it but it would take me so long you know if it's a curved canal on a 70 year old patient um you know where i have to let's say it's <laughs> upper six w- which is going to have an mb2 uh, you know the time i would spend uh, cleaning it you know would uh, would just not justify my fees uh, you know and i and i want to be able to do a good job so i find i would not attempt a case like that even though it's something i could complete but a lot of the time you know it's the time it takes is not worth the (laughs) worth the fees you can charge
0: yeah no i hear you so you want to do you know you want to do good work and you want to make sure the patients you know um uh, comfortable as well through it you don't want them constantly coming back you don't want them to be spending their long periods of time doing a lot you know treatment back and forth so yeah. but you know first would you say that you learned through the hard yards through that uh, or would you say you attended a, a bit of cpd to kind of build up that understanding to um, where you're comfortable with um, endodontics now
1: i think i think with everything in dentistry you need a bit of both you need some good cpd to kind of get you on track. And then a lot of it is practice. You know, a lot of it is putting what you learn into practice to develop your confidence. Um, I think that's key. Like, uh, you know, if you have made every mistake you possibly can, and you have fixed all those mistakes, then nothing scares you anymore. You know, it's like, I have broken a file. I know I can get that file out. So to me, it's no longer something I'm scared of, you know. Um,
0: Talking about broken files, I mean, we actually crossed paths once actually um, at an endo workshop. I don't know if you remember, um, it was with um, Yoshi, I think it was a file removal workshop. Yeah, yeah, I was watching you do that,
1: yeah. Yeah, so, you know, since that course, I have broken a a file and I've retrieved that file. So, (laughs) um, you know, It's just just a matter of i think dentistry overall is just making all the mistakes possible and being able to fix all those mistakes and then you either learn hey this mistake is something i never want to repeat so what can i do to never repeat it or you know what if it happens i can manage it you know if you break a root tip you break a file or you know just whatever complication you can think of if you know how to fix it it's not scary anymore you know um that's that's basically dentistry I yeah think.
0: so basically you're saying that because um, a lot of times i like to ask guests you know how do they if, if is there a method to how they choose or structure their cp but in your case it would you would just say it's more that you know there are a few of these instances where you um you know broke a file or you know you had a tough um case Um, and you weren't quite happy with it. And that's when you decided, okay, I I should go and find this particular course now and see if I can learn. And then that way I don't make that same mistake. Is that how you kind of approached
1: CPD? I I, I have approached it in the sense that I've just focused on one aspect of dentistry. So there was a time where I was just doing composite courses because that was the one thing I wanted to get better at. Uh, And then there was a time where I was just doing implant courses, Um, you know, so I, I seeked all the possible implant courses there were and I I tried to do all of them. Um, So I, that's kind of how I've I've structured my CBD. I just want to focus on one subject at a time, um, immerse myself in that, you know, learn as much as I can, and then practice as much as I can. And uh, hopefully by the end of that, I you know, I will be better at it.
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point um, that you've pointed out, you know, because for a lot of graduates that come out, they're so confused and they're, because they want to learn everything so quickly, you know, I want to learn implants, I want to learn ortho at the same time. And you're like, but what you're saying is slow down, you know, just focus on one thing at a time, you know, try to learn as much as you can about it. And then once you've learned it and, you know, whether it be an implants, you might decide, okay, I don't actually feel comfortable with it or I don't actually like it as much as I thought I did. So I pivot and I do something else. Or it's like, you know, I've come to a point where I just wanna learn as much as about my composites, about my aesthetics, um, and then um, move on to the next part.
1: Exactly. Um, That's that's pretty much how I've done it uh, till now. And you said, you know, with implants, um, you may not like it. And that's exactly what happened with me. I think I spent more than $200,000 on CPD courses only on implants. And I don't even place implants anymore. <laughs> so, um, but I have the knowledge, I know how to do it and I know, you know, I restore them, but I don't place them. So, And I don't think it was a waste. Um, I got something out of it, just the knowledge that it's not something I want to do. <laughs>
0: you know. So I'd say, I mean, to that point, you know, like you spent, you know, let's say call it 200,000. But like, at the end of the day, it's um, not so much um, how much money you put into it. It's more just, you know, um, you could put a decent amount of money into it still, maybe like 10k or something like that. And then really just kind of immerse yourself in it and not try to be too distracted by other things at the same time. And then Determine it from there. Right.
1: Exactly. I think, um, I think for the first point I would just, you know, say is try not to, um, copy someone else's journey. So if you see your friends are doing, you know, they're doing implants, they're doing also, they're doing everything that's not necessarily, you know, what you should be doing. I mean, it, you can use it as a guide, you can use it as a benchmark if you like, but If you find that you're not enjoying it you don't have to follow that path you can change your path and there is no you know no one path that is better or right or you know you could be, you could be an amazing amalgam dentist you know carving amazing amalgams and um not do any composites you know that's that's one extreme or you could just you could be good at everything
0: there's i don't there's no one right path yeah i I agree with you and that's what we're trying to hope for our community you know when we talk to different speakers where you know a lot of people are like how do i follow do a path and whatnot and you know if you listen to all of it that's what our community will probably find is that everyone's got a different pathway of doing things um and there's no correct path um so you know, a common question I ask guests is, you know, what CPD was a game changer for them? And you've mentioned in the past how Dr. Mauro Ferrani, um, a European oh, yeah. prosthodontist, yeah, was that? Sorry, I said the name wrong. Okay. <laughs> Ch- changed the way you understood occlusion, aesthetics, restorations. I mean, what do you think changed in your understanding that so many other presenters who were teaching you before couldn't communicate to you?
1: I I think it was... Like, you know, when you, when, when you plan a course, so if today you were planning a course, um, you would have to kind of keep in mind that you're gonna be presenting it to a different level of dentists, right? So some might be uh, really good, you know, and some might be not as good, okay? So in, in your course, you have to plan for the whole range of people. I think when I went to do Mauro's course, um, I had, I was no longer here. I had a whole base of knowledge to that was already built. And all he had to do was kind of connect the dots for me. Um, and it made sense. I think that was was the key thing that, why I say his course was really good because it, it just put everything together. Uh, if I had zero knowledge about teeth before that, I don't think that one course would help me. Um, So I guess it was just the right time. And you know, the right course at the time for me.
0: Mm, I see. Yeah. So, I mean, um it's it's a build up of things and it's build up of those knowledge and then with that practice as well on the side to put it all together um because yeah a lot of people talk about you know there was this this is the one particular course and that's gonna you have to attend it because it's gonna change your understanding but what they don't explain is what you've just said is that it's been a build up of knowledge you know they learn something a little bit extra along the way and then they again tend to this one and that kind of pieces it all together Exactly. exactly yeah so, um, was there any other particular CPD that was a bit of a game changer for you as well?
1: Um, I think uh, Jason Smithson course was really uh, a game changer because you know that was the push that I kind of needed, the the inspiration I needed at that time. Um, and then Maro's course was was really good. I mean, it's really well structured and it's basically just pros because you know it's fixed pros um so yeah it was just those were the things that i was looking at at the time so
0: yeah so i guess um was there any cpd that do you feel that you did not implement or wasn't as beneficial for you at the time and you would do differently next time i know you've briefly just mentioned you know that cpd in general you always get something out of it but you know for something uh, was there a particular one that you didn't feel wasn't um as beneficial for you at the time
1: um, not really. Uh, I would say the the worst return of investment on my CPDs would be my implants uh, courses. I did. I went to Cambodia, did the hands on course there. I went to Colombia and did the hands on uh, course there. Um, and you know, they're expensive courses, and I don't really do implants, so I didn't get much of a re- return on my investment there but i guess i learned how to raise flaps i learned how to you know suture things and i learned how to put implants in but uh yeah that was i, I guess yeah i didn't get much out of it
0: i guess it kind of complemented um you know what you were doing at the time was probably doing a lot of oral surgery wasn't it
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i would say nothing's ever a waste you know even if uh even if you learn that this is not meant for you that is that is something that you've learned, you know? Yeah. Um,
0: was there any particular telltale signs that, you know, you realized actually, I don't actually enjoy this one as much as I thought I did, because obviously something would have compelled you to get into it. And then obviously something changed to make you think, actually, I'm not that interested in it.
1: Yeah. I think what compelled me was, I, and it's something that we all have it in us is like, we always want to get better. We're always looking for what is the next step in my career, right? So um, it might be like, for example, practice ownership, or it might be, uh, you know, I want to learn that next skill. It might be author, it might be implants. For me, it was implants. Um, So that kind of propelled me. I'm like, okay, I have a practice, I want to implement a new procedure. Um, Implants, it is, you know, so that's what propelled me to do it. It was just the, that drive that we all have about what the next step in our career should be.
0: That's right. You actually kind of beat my question, beat me to the question. So yeah, you know, you were a practice owner once and you know, you still excel in clinical dentistry today. I mean, and in fact, you know, like you've mentioned, Tony Rotunda is someone you aspire to. Would you ever consider specializing? Because for a lot of our viewers, they reach a point in their career where they want to take it to the next level. Just like you've said, practice ownership, specializing, do I become a super GP? What are your thoughts on all of that?
1: Um, I think it's hard. It's a hard question to answer because um, you really need to know yourself for uh, you to be able to answer this question, you know? Um, For me, like I tried practice ownership um, because, you know, as a dentist, I would say 90% of the people would be like, my ultimate goal is to have my own practice. Um, So I, I tried that and I realized it was not for me Um, and I think it's something that nobody can tell you, you know, until you do it yourself, um, you will not realize the challenges that come with it. Um, the type of personality you need to have to be a better owner than, um, you know, if, if you don't have certain traits, um, you know, these kind of things, nobody can tell you. So you must, you must learn by your own mistakes. I think to some extent um what would i say to somebody who was considering specializing or um or not like for me the choice is i can specialize and i guess you know one month in a year i might want to specialize (laughs) um, because i think you know i just want to do pros for example Um, but i do enjoy other aspects of dentistry and uh, i see a lot of you know I work with Tony so I see a lot of the really difficult cases that that come through the door and I am glad that I don't specialize you know because I would be getting those kind of cases and it's not that the the case is hard it is the person that is hard that's attached to those teeth and you know as a as a non-specialist I can just say hey go see Tony or go see this other person but as a specialist you know if somebody has sent them to me it becomes harder to say I don't want to treat this person you know Um, and it's not because the case is hard it's just the person is very difficult um, or their expectations are just you know hard to deal with Um, yeah so I would not specialize personally Uh, I think the commitment required firstly is huge Um, you would have to give three or maybe four years of full-time study and give up earning for that time. And uh, I just don't see the return of investment being as as good as it would need to be, um, you know. For you mean time. at this
0: stage in your, in your career, you mean? Yeah,
1: at, at yeah. this stage in my career. Like, you know, I would learn a lot for sure, but what will what extra procedures will it enable me to do that I can't already do? Um I don't see very many you know. It mm. um, would yeah. just al- allow me to treat more difficult patients but my <laughs> do I really want that like Yeah. I, I don't think so. You know, I am uh, I am quite happy and content not being you know seeing those people. Um yeah. my philosophy is I want to keep my practice as, as stress-free as possible. <laughs> And I don't think specializing helps in that regard. It would just take me down a path where it's more stressful. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't wanna put myself through that.
0: That's fair enough. So, you know, that's a good kind of segue to what I wanna talk to you about next is, you know, have you openly, you you openly talk about your struggles before, you know, you talked about your early years of dentistry where you couldn't sleep at night because you weren't happy with the work you're providing, even though you're doing your best, but you knew you could do better you know how about now do you as a more senior clinician do you feel more pressure to perform given that you know you posted some amazing cases but the people around you might expect you to perform excellently all the time you know
1: yeah i mean i think the pressure is only what you put on yourself so like i kind of understand i'm a human being like i have good days and i have bad days um you know last week i obturated a a molar and I took a post-op here and it was the GP had kind of bent at the tip and it didn't go all the way. So I had to, you know, take the GP out and redo it. So, you know, I make mistakes just like everyone else. It's not, um, you know, I'm not immune to, to these things, but I don't necessarily put any pressure on myself. Like the pressure that I do is I just want to do, do a good job. Um, and if I'm happy with with what I've produced, I'm happy. Um, can someone else do a better job? Probably, but you know, I don't uh, put any pressure on myself to um, you know, I don't beat myself about it because um, you will never be happy if if you do that. You know, if you take a photo of anything you do, you will always you can always nitpick at, Oh, this could be better. Or this could be better. It's never going to be perfect so yeah you just have to kind of find a way to be okay
0: you know what i find reassuring was when i was looking through your instagram there was you know one particular case of post that where you mentioned you were stressed out about like this wafer thin like fesopathic veneer on an upper lateral yeah. and um you know you were just talking about how it's not all about it's not all roses
1: of course yeah i mean um that case i remember because i've only ever done one of those cases, it was a a no prep kind of uh, feldspathic veneer, Um, you know technically it is 100 times more difficult than a novel veneer, but I've done it once and I've learned that I don't want to do it again unless my hand is forced, you know unless I have a patient who says I want you know specifically this, so uh, you learn something and I learn something (laughs) Um, yeah
0: Yeah, I mean Moving on, like, I don't want to understate How much Dr. Rotundo, Tony Rotundo Has been like, you know, this phenomenal Australian Prostodontist has been a big influence on you Not only as a clinician But, you know, as a human But is there another interesting story Apart from the one that you've just mentioned About, you know, the palatal anatomy That demonstrates just how much he's had an impact On your life, both as a dentist or, And as a human being
1: I think the biggest influence he has is um, when I see Tony work, I, I, he, strives, he strives for a level of excellence that doesn't come naturally to me, right? Um, and when I see him putting in that much effort oh, into small things, so for example, you know, making temporary crowns or temporary veneers, Tony spends such a long time trying to get them looking you know perfect like much better than some permanent crowds I've seen Tony spends a lot of time doing that and um, you know I just take that as an inspiration like you know I if he is doing it means I need to be putting in that level of effort into the same things otherwise I will never get to his level Um, so you know he, he inspires me like that. He just gives me something to work towards um yeah that's i I guess that's his biggest gift uh to me
0: you know one thing a lot of new grads want is mentoring and people interpret that differently some people want to be held by the hand some people want to just be checked on once in a while others want to be just a fly on the wall and just learn by observing you know Mm -hmm. when what I'm trying to get at is, you know, I'll put it to you is because there was something I was hearing about recently. It was just like, you know, and I wanted to share with you was that, you know, we all want to follow the best and learn from the best. But a lot of the times, you know, I imagine your particular case, people always messaging you. And, um, you know, in today's day and age, there's so much content out there. And, you know, people can learn so much from the best um, by either listening to their podcasts or listening to or reading about some of the stuff they do. I mean, what are your thoughts on all of that? I know that's a lot to chuck out uh, at you.
1: No, no, I, 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 I completely agree with you there. You can learn a lot without actually, you know, on your phone, just, just watching videos. Um, there's a, there's a saying like, which goes, a smart person uh, can learn more um, uh, from a stupid question than. A stupid person can learn from a smart answer. Um, and I think that is true, like, you know, for CPD courses as well. Like if a person's brain can pick up things without being told, you know, you might watch a video, for example, you might learn a lot just by watching the video and without any explanation of why the dentist was doing what he was doing. I think, you know, people exist like that. Uh, you know, they, they can just learn from photos or videos. Um, but I'm not, I, I'm not convinced everyone is like that. I think some people need to be told what to do, why to do it. Um, and I guess it just depends on, you know, what kind of person you are, whether you, you have that cognition that you can just pick things up very easily um, or not that would determine the, the answer to that question I would say
0: yeah no that's fair enough because I imagine like you know i assume a lot of people you know messaging you and you know you're a busy person you know and it's quite difficult to kind of share your knowledge um in over a few text messages or just you know a message here and there isn't it so yeah, um
1: I mean I I quite enjoy um intelligent questions I would say if somebody you know send me some photos and say you know give me your thoughts I, i'd be happy to give my thoughts um however sometimes you know what bugs me is like i they're asking something they've already treatment planned something in which i i think is the wrong plan or it's you know the solution is much more complex than they make it out and you know you explain it to them but they they don't want to accept it or they don't want to you know change their plan that kind of i'm like well if you just wanted reassurance from me but you're not getting it you know why did you even bother (laughs) you know just just do what you want you know don't ask then um anyway yeah it happens often i would say
0: (laughs) (laughs) um so what would you say your current ideal clinical day kind of looks like you know types of procedures you might be getting up to
1: um, if I could just do like one procedure, it would just be uh, veneers all day. <laughs> um, can be composite or can be ceramic. Um, it's just, you know, improving somebody's smile quickly is so it's such a you know gratifying thing to do. Uh, the patient leaves happy and you feel good about what you've done. You know, it's just a just a great feeling. Um, so that's what I would want to do every day if I could. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. And what do you hope your ideal clinical day or non-clinical day would look like in five years time? And if so, what kind of CPD do you want to do to kind of get to that? Um,
1: Again, yeah, just doing veneers all day would be my ideal clinical day. Uh, my non-clinical day, I guess, would be something to do outdoors, like maybe go for a hike, take some photos, um, that kind of thing. Um, I don't think I need to do very many CPDs on this, um, I just need to yeah, do more.
0: Fair enough, so Dr. So, I, mean, I just want to say, you know, for the first, the first time I met, you was back in Adelaide. I don't know if you yeah. remember back in 16 I, I and 17. Remember, I remember, yeah. <laughs> and when I had the chance to talk to you, I felt like you know, I could feel your kindness and your willingness to kind of share everything. Um and I and I love that, you know. And over these years, even when I've messaged you here and there as well. I know you're like super busy and I just want to say thank you for listening out to this kid.
1: <laughs> it's I mean, thank you for for you know, approaching me. Um I would say it's um no matter how busy you are, I think it's important to remember where you come from and stay humble, uh, most of all. It doesn't matter how good you are. I think if you're not humble at heart, it's um, uh, I think it's a waste. I think mm.
0: it's a, it's it's that and and gratitude, isn't it? Like be just being thankful for you know kind of the things that we we have um, around us and um, not to take it for granted, isn't it?
1: Exactly, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Do you think there's anything that, you know, we didn't discuss today that you wanted to, you know, lend to a young, bunning kind of dentist uh, that's kind of graduating at the moment?
1: Um, I think the main message I would want to say is don't be in a rush. Um, Don't be in a rush to be amazing from day one. Um, And don't be afraid of making mistakes. Like that's how you learn. That's how you grow. (laughs) Um, by making mistakes, learning from them and hopefully avoiding them in the future. Mm. Um, and if you do make mistakes, don't be super critical of yourself. Like don't let it define you. Don't let it uh, destroy you. Um, I think a lot of the times in dentistry, you know, if you were to graph, uh, make a graph of your confidence, it would be kind of a gradual. Uh, you know curve uh, but every now and then it would come crashing down when you have a failure you know if you had a failure in extraction uh, suddenly you would avoid doing extractions for maybe a month because your confidence is, is is destroyed I would say you must always try to pick yourself up and you know continue with it don't just give up because you had one bad case or two bad cases it's just everyone has those okay everyone has them um, and it doesn't stop like it's not one year or two year or five years or ten years it will happen you know for a very long time so don't just think hey i'm five years out i should be you know good at this uh, but i had this bad bad day everyone has those So, you know that's what i would say um mm. to anyone.
0: I mean, I think it's interesting. You know, a lot of people say, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't rush. Don't feel like you have to be in a rush. But what you really mean, and I'm just kind of trying to decipher it, is you know, make these little small little increments along the way. You know, work towards it. Um, um, So it's more like the bigger picture is like, you know, uh, don't rush. But you're still in, in my kind of macro sense, you're still kind of working. You're still kind of chipping away at it. You're still kind of attending courses you're still kind of um you know working on cases on it like that and slowly kind of making your way there that's what you mean isn't it that's what of people course. say of, when i say of
1: course keep growing like gro- your growth should never stop and whatever tools you have at your disposal whether it's you know cpds uh, whether live or online or you know just watching youtube videos maybe or looking at cases online whatever it is um i think growth should always uh, continue like you never stop learning um you know try to go and observe people uh, if possible you know other dentists that you you know or your specialists that you refer to try and go and observe them and if nothing else you might learn one of their jokes that you can use on your patients you know <laughs> Um, just take whatever you can uh, learn whatever you can it's uh, it the learning journey never stops I think
0: yeah one thing I'll I'll put to you is um, we haven't released her episode yet but Dr. Michelle Chen actually mentioned this in her inter- interview with us was that she attended one of the euro courses and then she was like you know I'm gonna go and practice this out and then what happened was you know, she didn't do a great job. And that kind of actually set her back and she didn't feel very comfortable with it. But the interesting point was she went and attended your course again and actually felt very inspired by it. And then went back and she felt like after attending it the second time, she got a lot more out of it and then she could go back and apply it.
1: Yeah, well, Michelle is someone I work with. So um I, I do, I think I know what she was talking about. It was. Kind of her first big case you know with veneers that that sort of thing. Um, there was quite a few things that needed to be better and I kind of helped her <laughs> partly with with some of those things um, but I have seen her progress and it's you know it's phenomenal it's uh, I am glad that she didn't let one thing upset her you know that one setback uh, did not destroy her confidence she, was determined to uh, get better and she's, you know, now doing some amazing work. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad to see Michelle's journey and there's, she's not alone. There's a few people like that, um, you know, and I'm, I'm proud. I would say when I see them, do, you know, doing good work, I feel, I feel in some little way, I've helped this person, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 Whether it be big or small, it's just, you know, um, being able to kind of share your knowledge, isn't it? Because mm. we were talking about, you know, sh- knowledge has no value if you can't share it with anyone.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, Doctor Sahil, you know, thank you for coming on the show today. If you could let the people know how they can find you or what's kind of going on in your life.
1: Um. Well, I have. Um. I have an Instagram page. Um. I do. I'm. I'm mostly on Facebook, though. I have a. Um, you know, two pages. Uh, one is about dentistry. It's called General Dentistry by Sahil. Um, one is about photography. I'm in. It's part, It's my hobby. Um, I, it's called Faces and Places uh, Photography by Sahil Sony. Um, if anybody is interested, they can check those links out. And yeah, just send me a message if you want to get in touch with me. <laughs> I've actually
0: used it a few times and I've messaged you as well. And you've got a YouTube page as well, which I I refer to every once in a while.
1: Yeah, well, I've put some videos on there. And I think uh, if you're one of those people who doesn't need a commentary, uh, if you watch the videos carefully and you ask yourself, why is he doing this? You might learn something. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Lawrence.
0: Thank you. If you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.